Hey everybody, it's Mick Sullivan, and welcome to The Past and the Curious. This is episode 10 of The Underwear Chronicles. Now, if you don't want to hear me talk about The Underwear Book, then stop listening now, because I wrote a book about underwear. People, famous people, people from history, people who should be famous. And uh, the moments that their underwear kind of made history alongside them. So, that book is going to be out late in the year, probably, hopefully, November, December 2022. So if you're listening before that, then get excited about the book. If you're listening after that, then um, the book's probably available, so you should maybe look for it. I don't know. This episode is about Queen Victoria, who is one of the most important, most impactful monarchs of Great Britain and the British Empire. And uh, she had a thing for drawers. She liked to wear drawers. Um, And there was a boy who broke into the palace a lot. And uh, he took some. Imagine being awoken by your mother in the dim darkness of an early morning. With no explanation and no chance to cover your wrinkled dressing gown, you're taken to a room full of prim and proper men with titles like Lord Cunningham and Archbishop of Canterbury. Blinking your groggy eyes, wearing only your underclothes, and wondering if you're dreaming, you hear the most important news of your life. What might sound like some kind of weird knickers-related nightmare was real life for Victoria of England. The poor young lady was in her underwear when she found out that she would be the queen. It was an overwhelming thing to hear at the crack of dawn. The 18-year-old was suddenly in control of the British Empire, the most powerful empire in the world. Considering this, they could have given her time to get dressed, maybe even have a cup of coffee. It wasn't even really an emergency. Everyone knew that her uncle, King William, was going to die. In fact, as his lights were dimming, he spitefully told Victoria's mom, whom he loathed, that he would wait to die until Victoria turned 18. That way, Victoria would be queen and wouldn't have to share any power with her unpleasant mother. It seems like a hard promise to make, because you're not always in control of your expiration date, but somehow, Uncle Will kept his word and died in 1837, one month after Victoria's 18th birthday. As a result, the weight of the crown came to rest solely upon Victoria's bedhead that morning. Hopefully, the archbishop and other stuffy men let her put on some proper clothes before they actually put it there. Prior to the crowning, Victoria's childhood was far from picturesque. Being a princess might sound awesome, but a royal birth and the incredible wealth that often comes along with it doesn't always equate to happiness. Her grandfather was King George III. He was the guy who had to deal not just with George Washington and the rebelling Americans, but also the power-hungry French military genius Napoleon. And those are some serious enemies, so it's easy to understand why, at the end of his life, there wasn't much left of his brain in good working order. Even though he bumbled around the house in confusion in his later years, he did have four sons, so at least the throne seemed safe. Unfortunately, two of them, including Victoria's dad, died. The other two of Victoria's uncles would both sit on the throne for a while, but neither had an heir. 
So when they also wound up dead and buried, Victoria was next in line. Knowing that this would eventually happen, her mom controlled the girl's life with an iron fist. Victoria's mom devised the Kensington system, a ridiculously strict set of rules for raising her daughter. One of the biggest commands was that Victoria was never to be left alone. She slept every single night in the same bed as her mother. Despite the lack of privacy, the number of people that she could see was small. There were only two children she was allowed to play with, and at all costs, she was kept away from her kingly uncle and pretty much any other adult who might put any sort of ideas in her head. From the day she was born until the day she became queen, she almost never left Kensington Palace. So while many people have found the responsibilities and trapping of a royal crown restrictive and stressful, it actually brought a bit of freedom to Victoria's life. As the queen, she could tell her unpleasant mom and anyone else to beat it. For once in her life, she could go where she wished, do as she liked, and begin to immerse herself in the work of ruling. Of course, it would turn out that ruling an empire is harder than most people think. As with most young royals, everyone was concerned with finding her a suitable husband. She was a pleasant-mannered, attractive young queen, so matrimonial overtures were sung from the lips of what seemed like every random man in the British Empire. Probably enjoying the freedom that she had craved for so long, Victoria remained single for the first several years of her reign. And in the end, she did what so many other royals have done. She married a cousin. Around the time her cousin husband Albert entered her life, an uninvited boy weaseled his way in as well. Buckingham Palace, where the royal couple lived, left a lot to be desired when it came to security. It was a grubby little fellow known as the Boy Jones who would make that painfully clear. He had no business being inside Buckingham Palace, but he had a passion for sneaking in just the same. Newspaper accounts simply described the kid as dirty. Because he was small and his face was covered in grime, people assumed that he was a chimney sweep, like so many other boys his size and age. It made sense because most assumed that the intruder snuck in through the extensive chimney and flue system. But the boy Jones was probably just dirty because he didn't take baths. He may have hidden fireplaces, but he certainly didn't need chimneys to get in. Foolishly, People of the palace thought nothing of leaving a few windows and doors unlocked at the queen's palace. And the boy Jones was always on the lookout for a good opportunity. And one day, an unattended open service door was an invitation he couldn't turn down. Darting inside, his dark, filthy clothes and grubby face became perfect camouflage in the lightless rooms of the palace. And for hours that day, he frolicked around completely undetected. It was nighttime when his dirty face finally surprised a poor guard named William Cox, who was dozing off on the job. The boy Jones was probably just as startled when he opened a door and their eyes met. Off ran the boy Jones, scrambling into the darkness of the palace. As the confusion and groggy shock faded, Cox reasoned it was his job to do something, so he finally chased after the boy, who was now long gone in the dim expanse of Buckingham Palace. The pursuit was fruitless until Cox tripped over a pile of random objects which should not have been sitting in the middle of the hallway. 
It was probably a humorous sight to see him go tumbling over a mess of books, fabric, and other odds and ends, all of which were covered in dirty handprints. It wasn't funny to William Cox, though, especially after he found a sword in the pile of pilfered paraphernalia. The sword belonged to one of the queen's friends, who happened to have a room at the palace. Cox's stomach dropped. This meant the boy had been in someone's locked room. When Cox arrived at the now-locked room, it was just as he expected. Everything was a mess, with the sooty grime of telltale handprints on nearly every surface, and the furniture in disarray. Unable to get a handle on the slippery situation by himself, he alerted more men to help scour the palace. And soon, their worst fears were confirmed. Given the circumstances, the men might have feared for their jobs as guards, but there were other, more important worries to deal with first. They soon discovered a letter with the very same grimy handprint on it, and it was a letter to the queen. This meant the strange boy had been in the queen's own bedroom. As funny as Cox's earlier tumble into a pile of dirty laundry might have been, the ensuing chase was probably even funnier. Like an old slapstick cartoon, the guards collided into each other at corners and scrambled in every direction, and they literally lost their grip on the boy thanks to his dirty, greasy clothing. Outwitted temporarily, they refused to let the boy get away. When they finally managed to pin him down, they were sure to keep a firm hold of the squirmy sneak. Out of breath and exasperated by the evening's comedy of errors, they marched him to one of the few well-lit rooms. Finally able to get a good look at the boy, they searched his body from head to toe. Once panicked by the possibilities of the boy escaping with who knows what, the guards could now take solace in the fact that he wouldn't get out the door with any royal belongings. They should have locked that door, by the way. There was still one more surprise he had in store, though. Everyone, and I mean everyone, was embarrassed to discover that, among the coins, trinkets, and keepsakes still in his pocket, the boy had several pieces of the queen's royal underwear. And the papers had a field day with the tales of Boy Jones on that one. Amazingly, his intrusions weren't a one-time event. To the chagrin of the palace staff, he snuck into the palace several times. It was strange enough that the boy Jones seemed to appear within the walls of the palace, but the fact that he clearly knew his way around the massive building was even more alarming. His brazen acts and apparent comfort in the royal quarters exasperated officials, but to the general public, he was a welcome diversion from everyday life. People followed his cat and mouse game with palace guards with glee in the newspapers. However, when the dirty boy was found sitting on the queen's throne like the little brat owned the place, everyone decided he had gone too far. To pay for his intrusive crimes, the boy Jones ultimately found himself aboard a prison ship bound for Australia, which is where British royalty sent their peskiest criminals. Though he'd go down to Australia as punishment for his persistent pants-stealing peskiness, he'd also go down in history as the boy who stole Queen Vic's knickers. On top of that, how many people could say that they sat their grubby butt on the same storied seat which had once supported the dignified derrieres, baronial bottoms, and grandiose glutes of centuries worth of British royal families? Ironically, if the boy Jones truly wanted to remember the queen with souvenir skivvies, he might have tried a more direct approach than breaking and entering. 
he could have tried being her friend. Queen Victoria was such an important person that her name describes an entire 64-year era of Western civilization. Her reign from 1837 to 1901 was longer than any British monarch's time on the throne before her. And everything from music and architecture to scientific advancements that happened during her time are said to be products of the Victorian era. And clothing was no different. Victorian fashion brought major shifts in how women dressed. One major change was that the giant dresses no longer required dozens of petticoats or masses of hidden fabric to fill out their big bell shapes. These were replaced by simple steel and bone cages worn underneath the dress to create the same shape, only without all the shaping fabric underneath. While women found the old style of wearing messes of fabric under their dresses to be heavy, uncomfortable, and time-consuming to put on, they did realize that all those layers helped keep a lady warm. Like many other women who followed the trend of wearing fewer layers of underwear, Victoria found that it got cold under there, and her solution was a different kind of underwear. Victoria, queen of the largest empire in the world, she who lent her name to an entire era, had a passion for drawers. Today, people calling their underwear drawers might not understand why that name exists, but for someone like Victoria, it was a very literal name. Covering her hiney were two individual cloth leg coverings, and these were attached to a drawstring, which was cinched or drawn around her waist. They kept her dresses clean, her skin comfortable, and her butt warm. She loved them so much that she ordered dozens of batches on a near-constant basis. Some were silk, some were linen, but each and every pair was embroidered with the royal insignia, a crown with the letters V.R. Perhaps she had heard the horrifying tale of King James I, who had rested his dirty underwear bottom on the British throne many years before. He almost never took his underwear off, and it's rumored that, at his death, doctors had to peel it from his body. More likely... Victoria just really enjoyed a fresh pair. Whatever the reason was, she almost never wore the same underwear twice. Of course, her long life meant she went through a tremendous amount of undies. If you're the queen, or American football quarterback Tom Brady, from what I hear, then brand new underwear is a daily option. The rest of us will most likely have to settle for an underwear collection numbering somewhere between Victoria and James I. The question you may be asking yourself is, what did Victoria do with all of those pairs of once-worn underwear? Well, one thing she did not do was toss them in the trash. It appears that she saved many. There's a lot of storage at Buckingham Palace, apparently enough for 64 years worth of underwear. But the rest she gave away to her friends, and it's not unusual today to find a pair of her drawers in a museum collection in many places around the world. Heaven knows there should be plenty to go around. So, if he'd been patient, the boy Jones might have even gotten a pair for himself. Well, all right, party people, there you go. That's the story of Queen Victoria's underwear. What a tale it is. Hope you enjoyed the episode, and uh, be ready for a new episode, a full episode of The Past and the Curious, uh, in just a couple weeks. I'm excited about this one. It's going to be bananas. B-A-N-A-N-A-S, I'm telling you going to be great. If you're curious about the book, 
It is called I See Lincoln's Underpants, and there is some information about it on thepastandthecurious.com. But as I said, it will not be available until late 2022. So if you're listening to these in kind of realish time, and it's like August 2022, first off, hope back to school's going well for you. And second, um, let's just keep having fun for the rest of the year, all right? So uh, talk to you soon. Thank you very much. My name is Mick. Rock on, y'all.